Hello and welcome to this new FinTech Scotland podcast episode. This year is going to be very important for Scotland as Glasgow hosts the UN Climate Change Conference, the COP26. As all participating countries are asked to submit their new long-term goals to address the global climate emergency, we are asking ourselves today how FinTech can participate in this global movement. To do this, I'm very excited to be joined by three great guests. Z West is the co-founder at Picnic Bank. Z, thank you for us today. Lovely to meet you all. Thank you for the invitation. And could you introduce Picnic Bank to our audience, maybe? Yeah, of course. So Picnic is a new breed of financial technology for good platform, which aims to be a catalyst through which society solves the problems which genuinely matter to them and in which in turn leads to more vibrant economies. Thank you. We also have with us Daniel Broby, uh, our second guest. Daniel is uh, director at the Centre for Financial Regulation and Innovation at the University of Strathclyde Business School. Good morning, Daniel. Morning, and uh, we're very pleased to be hosting uh, COP26 over in Glasgow. Great. And can you tell us a bit more about the areas of research you are involved with and how they relate to the climate agenda? Uh, we actually, for as a university, have fintech as a strategic cluster. And as such, in a multidisciplinary approach, we look at all things, whether they are uh, societal implications, whether they are uh, the actual raw technology that goes into uh, finance uh, in a distributed environment, or indeed uh, many of the uh, sort of um, artificial intelligence and machine learning that is associated with uh, many of the things in um, financial technologies. Fabulous. And our third guest is Natalie Jackson. She's consultant at the Global Ethical Finance Initiative. Natalie. Hello, I'm well, thank you. And uh, thank you for, for hosting me today on this podcast. It's um, yeah, great to be here and talk about fintech and, and climate change. It's our real pleasure. And, and I know you're very involved as well with COP26. Could you tell us a bit more maybe about uh, Jiffy and how you're involved with it? Yeah, absolutely. So Jeffy is the Global Ethical Finance Initiative. So we're a not-for-profit organisation based in Scotland, but with global reach. And our remit is very much to help grow the ecosystem of uh, sustainable and ethical finance. Uh, we're really excited to see COP26 coming to, to Glasgow in November um, and to promote that and, and, and raise the profile and, and build momentum. We've got um, something going on called Path to COP, where we're bringing organisations together um, to drive action um, ahead of COP. Um, so we've got a programme of uh, over 30 events with different stakeholders and um, just really helping to to drive that conversation forward and, and just build momentum in anticipation of, of COP coming to Glasgow. So let's dive into to this podcast. Um, I, I was reading the principle for responsible banking published by the United Nations and they recognize financial services as one of the components that will help tackle climate change. So I wanted to ask you all in your own views what are the most impactful contributions that the sector can undertake to fight climate change? Uh, well, maybe I, I can kick off because uh, you can't really fight climate change unless there's a price for carbon. Uh, economists agree that if you can price carbon, you can then either tax it or you can trade it. Uh, so from a fintech perspective, 
the uh, trading of carbon emissions is something that needs to be part of the solution in order for us to be able to uh, ensure that the targets are uh, met that are presumably going to be set in Glasgow. To contribute as well with them, um, you're talking about the PRB, so I think that the PRB is a great initiative to um, to push um, banking institutions to act uh, both in alignment with the Paris Agreement and also also the SDGs. So I think that finance really does have a role to play in combating climate change. Um, we've seen various initiatives around investors aligning their portfolio to net zero and making commitments to achieve that and taking practical action um, to, to reach those ambitions. Um, so it's, it's fantastic, and I think everyone has a role to play in, in taking action on climate change. Absolutely. I think enabling customers as well to make more conscious decisions when they're shopping. And like you've just said, you know, inspiring investors to build more climate-focused portfolios is, is extremely important. There's a few uh, fintechs that are starting to work around that, uh, like Alipay's Ant Forest. Um, so they're inspiring people to plant 122 million trees a year which is absolutely amazing but it's, it's something like three trillion needs to be invested otherwise to make the um to achieve the 1.5 degree warming scenario that we need basically um, maybe i should also add that obviously uh, when we have institutions like pension funds and insurance companies, they make investments in companies and those companies themselves can take action uh, and the, uh, as custodians of those assets, uh, a greater focus on uh, effectively measuring carbon uh, footprints in investment portfolios is something which can also contribute to uh, achieving the goals. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to see actually there are a lot of fintech organisations doing doing great work already in, in pushing that agenda forward around climate change and, and talking of kind of investors and, and pension funds as Cushion, which I think started as a fintech for um, originally payroll savings, but has now moved into, into pensions. And they were actually, I think, the first uh, pension fund to launch a net zero pension from the outset. So a lot of um, kind of traditional pension funds are making ambitions to be net zero by 2030 or 2050. But Cushion has actually made that commitment right now, which is fantastic and a real um, example of, of fintech kind of leading the way in, in pushing the sector towards um, combating climate change and achieving net zero. And Daniel, you were starting to speak about measurement of carbon and, and Z and Natalia, you were starting to speak about investment, which really draws me to speak about ESG. Um, and ESG is certainly very popular just now as an acronym. Um, however, it means different things to, to anyone. Carbon could be uh, considered as ESG. And do, do we need to develop a new measurement and reporting framework around ESG to make it more transparent and more meaningful? Uh, certainly, if you uh, want to delve into uh, environmental, social and governance, which is what ESG stands for, uh, you have to look at the methodology that people are actually using to measure it. And that is actually very subjective. You have analysts who work for not-for-profit organisations who are giving a ranking score based upon incomplete information. So from an academic point of view, uh, that data isn't actually considered to be uh, a quality source. Uh, 
So in order to sort of push forward uh, ESG criteria, uh, you need to improve the data inputs. And that can be done by a number of ways. Um, for example, um, satellite observation of carbon emissions, for example, uh, using uh, um, NLP, uh, natural language uh, programming to understand uh, and, and measure uh, inputs on uh, uh, company reports and, and see that uh, the companies are actually doing what they say they're doing and so forth. So there are a number of techniques, artificial intelligence, machine learning, that can be applied to improve the, the measurement uh, of ESG criteria. Absolutely. And I think it is key about that data and, and tools that are used for, for ESG. I think, I think it's also interesting, you know, the, the role that you see of ESG, because it's very much about measuring risk um, and looking at kind of the risk of, of a company and things like that in making investments. But what we're trying to kind of push forward and increase is actually impact. So it's rather than saying, you know, what's the risk to this company? It's saying as an in investee, what impact can I make um, in terms of the environment, um, in terms of society, um, and just driving that, that conversation uh, forward. Um, but I think data is key, and I think that's definitely an area where fintech um, can play a role uh, in using um, innovative ways of, of looking at data and, and measuring climate change and climate risk. And there's definitely a need for that in, um, in combating climate change for investors. Exactly. And I think um, I've been speaking to a few companies now that are actually tracking your credit card spending and to the point they want to take it so that you can see every single item when you're at the supermarket. So I think it really has to become that granular if we want to start inspiring change fully. And I think because we've started pushing towards more and more people on digital, that, that will become much easier post-COVID-19. And like you've both said, you know, traditional ways of um, calculating carbon emissions aren't going to cut it in the next few years. So, you know, we will start to look at how blockchain can help and, and other technologies. So there's, um, there's one company called Geeky Zero, which is starting to do that. And also new banks are luckily so two steps removed from fossil fuel industry compared with some of the larger banks. So it'll be easier for them to start pushing change at scale. Yeah, and, and I think this granularity is something that we're leading on in the UK in terms of fintech, because we're not talking about just data, but we're talking about third-party data. So this is where open finance comes into it, effectively giving permission to access data held in financial companies can allow uh, the people who are permissioned to analyze that data in better ways. So, for example, someone can access my bank account with my permission and see what um, sort of carbon emission type uh, expenditure is taking place in my account. So, the, the, this revolution in open finance is something which is being sort of championed by, by the UK. Absolutely. And I think it's key about data and data flows, because I think at the moment you have a situation where investors are, you know, each looking at different data sources, different metrics to report on, on climate change and, and things. And we need that kind of unified, standardised approach and also the sharing of data 
around organisations. So when people are reporting on climate change, they're doing it in a, in a consistent and transparent way. And do you think blockchain is therefore the solution? Uh, I know, Daniel, you, you've got keen interest in, in blockchain. Uh, well, it's, it's uh, not the solution. Uh, it can help. Uh, and there are different levels of, of blockchain as to whether they're permissioned or not. Uh, and also whether or not they are decentralized uh, or uh, have some um, central party uh, involved in the uh, sort of immutability of, of the record. But that said, what is important is that we are able to standardize and uh, compare data as we've been talking about. And um, blockchain is one tool that can be used to do that. Do you have examples of um, blockchain technologies that are trying to achieve this goal? In terms of, uh, there's many use cases for blockchain, and certainly uh, in things like manufacturing and so forth, there's uh, a number of use cases which have linked to um, effectively how you go through the manufacturing process. And that can in turn be linked to things like carbon emissions. So the answer to that is yes, although obviously that's not in the field of finance. The, the World Economic Forum was um, looking at the northern miner, which are using um, blockchain. So they're tracing carbon emissions throughout um, the virtuous circle of you know, copper mining and things like that. So there are real world experiences. From a policy perspective, do you feel more can be done? And what new policies would you like to see implemented to link the financial services sector better with the climate agenda? Um, in terms of policy, uh, the, the biggest issue is that we're talking about uh, different uh, regulation, regulatory bodies, different countries, uh, different oversight. And so it's very difficult to standardise when you do that. And if you can't standardise, uh, for example, to carbon emissions trading, uh, then actually uh, you can't get everyone working towards the same goal and therefore, again, markets become less efficient. So standardization is really important and if the policymakers not just make targets but make standard uh, units to, uh, that can be sort of recognized across different countries and jurisdictions, uh, that would be a great help. Yeah, absolutely. I think standardisation is key because, as I was saying before about frameworks, you've got lots of people doing different things and it needs to be a kind of unified uh, approach around that. I think in terms of policy as well, it's it, it's mandating things that, um, that, you know, force investors to take action on climate change, report on climate change. So there's already been some work done to that effect with um, the TCFD, um, the Task Force on Climate Related Disclosures, um, and the UK government has recently announced that um, certain investors will have have to make those disclosures um, and it's becoming mandatory across the um, across the UK economy over the next few years um, so that's great to see it's moving in the right direction but I think because climate change is such a, a pressing need there needs to be um, more action and, and more policies and more um, action from the government and private sector to, to take action on, on climate change now. Morning.
Hello? Hey, can you hear me? Hi, yeah. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, good, good. Did you also send the link uh, via email for Daniel? One second. Uh, Hi, Z. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, very well, thanks. How are you guys? Very, very good. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us today. That's great to have you on board. Yeah, that's it's really exciting. Uh, it's really uh, central to Picnic Bank as well, so it's it's great to talk about it with my peers. Awesome. How have you been since last time we spoke? Yeah, I was um, I was in Wales, so uh, looking after my mum. So that was that was nice, and uh, seeing my nephew and trying to get him into Star Wars um, as his dad doesn't <laughs> his dad doesn't like Star Wars and I'm a massive Star Wars fan so that's going to be a problem basically <laughs> um, <laughs> but no it was yeah it was really nice to sort of get away and get get on some beaches and, and get some fresh air so um, yeah it did me well but good how about you yeah no good entering the nice weather in Scotland that doesn't last very long usually so we're just making the most out of it Ah. Uh... Oh, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, it's been cool. I mean, it's 27 in London on Saturday. Uh, Completely crazy. Yeah. Did you manage to convert your nephew to Star Wars then? Well, I've got a baby Yoda toy which moves <laughs> and stuff. So he likes that. But I don't know if it'll continue into a full love affair with Star Wars. But, you know, baby steps, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, so that's good. But... Um, no, it's it's uh, and then yeah, I've got four days in in London this week, and lots of meetings, and we're work well. We're meeting with some concierges for the UK concierge stuff, so that should be interesting as well. Okay, very good. Hi, Daniel. Yes, hi. I, I've joined by mobile because uh, I've only just got the link. Right. Okay. No problem at all. Thank you, Daniel. Um, Daniel, uh, you wouldn't have met Z before. Um, Z is an entrepreneur um, down in England, uh, launching her own company called P um, Picnic Bank. Uh, and Daniel is um, a professor lecturer um, at uh, the University of Strathclyde in, in uh, Glasgow. Hi, Z. Uh, hi, Daniel. Lovely to meet you. Yeah. We're just waiting on Natalie from the Global Ethical Finance Initiative. I'm just checking my emails, but she hasn't said anything. We'll give her a few minutes. Fantastic. Yeah, so I was looking up um, what you're up to in, in Glasgow. It looks amazing, the conference. So, yeah, it's it's going to be huge, isn't it? Well, it's actually 10% of what it was originally planned to be. They, they've scaled. Uh, uh, so there's only going to be uh, 6,000 people here because of, uh, obviously, COVID and so forth. But uh, yeah, good. That's a shame because it looked amazing. It looks amazing, so hopefully I'll come up. <laughs> you should definitely come up. Mm. As long as we get the decision makers, that's all that matters, I guess. So. Yeah, very true. 
it makes if it's if you can make it the next Davos, uh, <laughs> that would be pretty great. Put put Scotland on the map. <laughs> Sorry, Natalie is just she's tried the link, but it's not working. So I'm just resending it, and then hopefully okay. that should be her on the call. Sorry, because I have, um, my parents have given me the dog this week. So I will just leave the recording on here just whilst I go tend to her so that I'm not leaving any background noise or anything. Um, no problem at all. And there you go. That's fine. Thank you, Rebecca. Hi, Natalie. Cheers. Uh, how are Hi. you? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that second work, that second link worked perfectly. Thank you for sending that. No, Hi, Natalie. Hello. Hi. Very nice to, to meet you. Uh, we also have Z on the call, uh, who's an entrepreneur then in England. And we've got Daniel from the, the University of Strathclyde. Um, Brilliant. And, Lovely uh, to meet you all. Yeah. Hi. Hi. So a, f a few things. It's going to be very relaxed. It's not an interview. Um, it's a conversation, a bit like a round table. Uh, so I'm hoping you'll enjoy it. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it shouldn't take too long. It's about 20 minutes. Um, it would be good uh, if, um, you know, it, it's a natural conversation. We, we will edit the recording afterwards. So don't worry if there are silences or if you, you, you say something you, you want erased afterwards, just uh, let us know. <laughs> there shouldn't be anything too controversial, but uh, <laughs> you never know. Um, we, we'll just be um, recording in, uh, on this platform and then it will uh, go onto various networks like Apple, Google, um, and then we'll promote it as well on social media. Uh, and I will encourage your respective companies to help us amplify if you want afterwards. Uh, that'd be fantastic. There's a bit of background noise for uh, some cooking going on, I think. Yeah, there's a bit of noise in the background. Oh, can you hear it? It might be, we're currently working out of um, the business lounge in a hotel, so it might be me. Let me see if I can relocate and if it gets any better. That's okay. Um, so what's going to happen, I'll, a quick intro of the subject and then I'll introduce the three of you um, and you have a chance to introduce your respective companies or your role in what you do and then... I'll start with just a generic question about fintech and, and, and uh, climate. And then hopefully the conversation will go from there. Don't wait for my question. Feel free to ask questions to each other as well. Um, the, 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 least, the, the least you hear about me, the better, really. Um, it's really about you guys today. Is that OK? Any questions? Sounds good. Yep. Perfect. Yeah, brilliant. Awesome. Thank you. So, is that background noise any better? I've just relocated. Yes. Fantastic. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Okay, so let's start. Hello and welcome to this new Fintech Scotland podcast episode. This year is going to be very important for Scotland as Glasgow hosts the UN Climate Change Conference, the COP26. As all participating countries are asked to submit their new long-term goals to address the global climate emergency, we are asking ourselves today how fintech can participate in this global movement. To do this, I'm very excited to be joined by three great guests. Z West is the co-founder at Picnic Bank. Z, thank you for us today. 
Lovely to meet you all. Thank you for the invitation. And could you introduce Picnic Bank to our audience, maybe? Yeah, of course. So Picnic is a new breed of financial technology for good platform, which aims to be a catalyst through which society solves the problems which genuinely matter to them and in which in turn leads to more vibrant economies. Thank you. We also have with us Daniel Broby, uh, our second guest. Daniel is uh, director at the Centre for Financial Regulation and Innovation at the University of Strathclyde Business School. Good morning, Daniel. Morning, and uh, we're very pleased to be hosting uh, COP26 over in Glasgow. Great. And can you tell us a bit more about the areas of research you are involved with and how they relate to the climate agenda? Uh, we actually, for as a university, have fintech as a strategic cluster. And as such, in a multidisciplinary approach, we look at all things, whether they are uh, societal implications, whether they are uh, the actual raw technology that goes into uh, finance uh, in a distributed environment, or indeed uh, many of the uh, sort of um, artificial intelligence and machine learning that is associated with uh, many of the things in um, financial technologies. Fabulous. And our third guest is Natalie Jackson. She is consultant at the Global Ethical Finance Initiative. Natalie. Hello, I'm well, thank you. And uh, thank you for, for hosting me today on this podcast. It's um, yeah, great to be here and talk about fintech and, and climate change. It's our real pleasure. And, and I know you're very involved as well with COP26. Could you tell us a bit more maybe about uh, Jiffy and how you're involved with it? Yeah, absolutely. So Jeffy is the Global Ethical Finance Initiative. So a not-for-profit organisation based in Scotland, but with global reach. And our remit is very much to help grow the ecosystem of uh, sustainable and ethical finance. Uh, we're really excited to see COP26 coming to, to Glasgow in November um, and to promote that and, and, and raise the profile and, and build momentum. We've got um, something going on called Path to COP, where we're bringing organisations together um, to drive action um, ahead of COP. Um, so we've got a programme of uh, over 30 events with different stakeholders um, just really helping to, to drive that conversation forward and, and just build momentum in anticipation of, of COP coming to Glasgow. Thank you very much, Natalie. This is great. So let's dive into today's podcast. Um, I, I was reading the Principle for Responsible Banking published by the United Nations, and they recognize financial services as one of the components that will help tackle climate change. So I wanted to ask you all, in your own views, what are the most impactful contributions that the sector can undertake to fight climate change? Uh, well, maybe I, I can kick off, because uh, you can't really fight climate change unless there's a price for carbon. Uh, economists agree that if you can price carbon, you can then either tax it or you can trade it. Uh, so from a fintech perspective, uh, the uh, trading of carbon emissions is something that needs to be part of the solution in order for us to be able to uh, ensure that the targets are uh, met that are presumably going to be set in Glasgow. Yeah, and to contribute as well with them, um, you're talking about the PRBs. So I think that the PRBs are a great initiative to... Um, 
to push um, banking institutions to act uh, both in alignment with the Paris Agreement and also, also the SDGs. So I think that finance really does have a role to play in combating climate change. Um, we've seen various initiatives around investors aligning their portfolio to net zero and making commitments to achieve that and taking practical action um, to, to reach those ambitions. Um, so it's, it's fantastic and I think everyone has a role to play in, in taking action on climate change. Absolutely. I think enabling customers as well to make more conscious decisions when they're shopping and like you've just said, you know, inspiring investors to build more climate focused portfolios is, is extremely important. There's a few uh, fintechs that are starting to work around that, uh, like Alipay's Ant Forest. Um, so they're inspiring people to plant 122 million trees a year which is absolutely amazing but it's, it's something like three trillion needs to be invested otherwise to make the um to achieve the 1.5 degree warming scenario that we need basically um, maybe i should also add that obviously uh, when we have institutions like pension funds and insurance companies, they make investments in companies and those companies themselves can take action uh, and the, uh, as custodians of those assets, uh, a greater focus on uh, effectively measuring carbon uh, footprints in investment portfolios is something which can also contribute to uh, achieving the goals. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to see actually there are a lot of fintech organisations doing doing great work already in, in pushing that agenda forward around climate change and, and talking of kind of investors and, and pension funds as Cushion, which I think started as a fintech for um, originally payroll savings, but has now moved into, into pensions. And they were actually, I think, the first uh, pension fund to launch a net zero pension from the outset. So a lot of um, kind of traditional pension funds are making ambitions to be net zero by 2030 or 2050. But Cushion has actually made that commitment right now, which is fantastic and a real um, example of, of fintech kind of leading the way in, in pushing the sector towards um, combating climate change and achieving net zero. And Daniel, you were starting to speak about measurement of carbon and, and Z and Natalia, you were starting to speak about investment, which really drives me to speak about ESG. Um, and ESG is certainly very popular just now as an acronym. Um, however, it means different things to, to anyone. Carbon could be uh, considered as ESG. And do, do we need to develop a new measurement and reporting framework around ESG to make it more transparent and more meaningful? Uh, certainly, if you uh, want to delve into uh, environmental, social and governance, which is what ESG stands for, uh, you have to look at the methodology that people are actually using to measure it. And that is actually very subjective. You have analysts who work for not-for-profit organisations who are giving a ranking score based upon incomplete information. So from an academic point of view, uh, that data isn't actually considered to be uh, a quality source. So in order to sort of push forward uh, ESG criteria, uh, you need to improve the data inputs. And that can be done by a number of ways. Um, for example, um, satellite observation of carbon emissions, 
for example, uh, using uh, um, NLP, uh, natural language uh, programming, to understand uh, and, and measure uh, inputs on uh, uh, company reports and, and see that uh, the companies are actually doing what they say they're doing and so forth. So there are a number of techniques, artificial intelligence, machine learning, that can be applied to improve the, the measurement uh, of ESG criteria. Absolutely. And I think it is key about that data and, and tools that are used for, for ESG. I think, I think it's also interesting, you know, the, the role that you see of ESG, because it's very much about measuring risk and, and looking at kind of the risk of, of a company and things like that in making investments. But what we're trying to kind of push forward and increase is actually impact. So it's rather than saying, you know, what's the risk to this company? It's saying as an in, investee, what impact can I make um, in terms of the environment, um, in terms of society, um, and just driving that, that conversation uh, forward. Um, but I think data is key, and I think that's definitely an area where fintech um, can play a role uh, in using um, innovative ways of, of looking at data and, and measuring climate change and climate risk. And there's definitely a need for that in, um, in combating climate change for investors. Exactly. And I think um, I've been speaking to a few companies now that are actually tracking your credit card spending and to the point they want to take it so that you can see every single item when you're at the supermarket. So I think it really has to become that granular if we want to start inspiring change fully. And I think because we've started pushing towards more and more people on digital, that that will become much easier post COVID-19. And like you've both said, you know, traditional ways of um, calculating carbon emissions aren't going to cut it in the next few years. So, you know, we will start to look at how blockchain can help and, and other technologies. So there's, um, there's one company called Geeky Zero, which is starting to do that. And also new banks are luckily so two steps removed from fossil fuel industry compared with some of the larger banks. So it'll be easier for them to start pushing change at scale. Yeah, and, and I think this granularity is something that we're leading on in the UK in terms of fintech, because we're not talking about just data, but we're talking about third party data. So this is where open finance comes into it, effectively giving permission to access data financial companies can allow uh, the people who are permissioned to analyze that data in better ways. So, for example, someone can access my bank account with my permission and see what uh, sort of carbon emission type uh, expenditure is taking place in my account. So the, the, this revolution in open finance is something which is being sort of championed by, by the UK. Absolutely. And I think it's key about data and data flows, because I think at the moment you have a situation where investors are, you know, each looking at different data sources, different metrics to report on, on climate change and, and things. And we need that kind of unified, standardised approach and also the sharing of data around organisations. So when people are reporting on climate change, they're doing it in a, in a consistent and transparent way. And do you think blockchain is therefore the solution? Uh, I know, Daniel, you, you've got a keen interest in, in blockchain. 
Uh, well, it's, it's uh, not the solution. Uh, it can help. Uh, and there are different levels of, of blockchains to whether they're permissioned or not. Uh, and also whether or not they are decentralized uh, or uh, have some uh, central party uh, involved in the uh, sort of immutability of, of the record. But that said, what is important is that we are able to standardize and uh, compare data as we've been talking about. And um, blockchain is one tool that can be used to do that. Do you have examples of um, blockchain technologies that are trying to achieve this goal? In terms of, uh, there's many use cases for blockchain, and certainly uh, in things like manufacturing and so forth, there's uh, a number of use cases which have linked to um, effectively how you go through the manufacturing process. And that can in turn be linked to things like carbon emissions. So the answer to that is yes, although obviously that's not in the of finance. And there's a yeah. lot of talks around, sorry, go, go on. Yeah, no, the, the World Economic Forum was um, looking at the northern miner, which are using um, blockchain. So they're tracing carbon emissions throughout um, the virtuous circle of, you know, copper mining and things like that. So there are real world experiences for that. And I was reading a lot about um, decentralized energy trading enabled by the blockchain. Is it something you see that will develop in the future, or is it just uh, a craze? Uh, so energy trading got a bad name written on the back of Enron, um, but uh, it still makes a lot of sense to effectively put uh, the producers of, sort of energy and the users of energies together in a marketplace because that gets rid of what you call friction inefficiencies in the market and any removal of a friction inefficiency is effectively saving carbon because um, you are in effect um, having a precise price uh, discovery system. Thank you. Um, from a policy perspective, do you feel more can be done and what new policies would you like to see implemented to link the financial services sector better with the climate agenda? Um, in terms of policy, uh, the, the biggest issue is that we're talking about uh, different uh, regulation, regulatory bodies, different countries, uh, different oversight. And so it's very difficult to standardize when you do that. And if you can't standardize uh, to carbon emissions trading, uh, then actually uh, you can't get everyone working towards the same goal. And therefore, again, markets become less efficient. So standardization is really important. And if the policymakers not just make targets, but make standard uh, units to uh, that can be sort of recognised across different countries and jurisdictions. Uh, that would be a great help. Yeah, absolutely. I think standardisation is key because, as I was saying before about frameworks, you've got lots of people doing 
different things and it needs to be a kind of unified approach around that i think in terms of policy as well it's it's mandating things that um you know force investors to take action on climate change report on climate change so there's already been some work done to that effect with um the tcfd um the task force on climate related disclosures um and the uk government has recently announced that um certain investors will have to make those disclosures um, and it's becoming mandatory across the um, across the UK economy over the next few years um, so that's great to see it's moving in the right direction but I think because climate change is such a, a pressing need there needs to be um, more action and uh, more policies and more um, action from the government and private sector to, to take action on, on climate change now. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think the traditional methods of modelling risk um, need to be updated and we need to add things like tipping points or events um, rather than keeping it static. Um, and, we need, and we need to start re rebuilding back in a green way um, after the pandemic. That's great. And I think we, we're reaching the, the end of the episode, unfortunately, but uh, I, I wanted to give you, Natalie, just an opportunity to tell us about upcoming events um, from PathCop26. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so we actually had our, our major summit last week, so the Ethical Finance Summit 2021, and you'll actually be able to find all of that context on our platform, um, EFX, um, where you'll find videos and, and, and content around that. Um, in terms of terms of the path to cop if you have a look on our website and um, there's a list of of all the upcoming events that we've got between um now and november so if you're interested in um climate change especially from a, a financial uh, institution point of view an action that you can take um if you have a look on our website you'll be able to see um everything that's going on thank you natalie um, really interesting conversation that's a shame we don't have more time but i, I wanted to thank you all for your time and taking part Excellent. And uh, no problem at all. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us on the next one. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Thanks. That was good. Thank you very much, everyone. Okay, great. Well done. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, try to edit everything today and uh, we'll let you know when we push it live. And uh, if there's anything you, you, you want to do around it to, to share it, just uh, feel free to do so. Excellent. Okay, let's uh, hope that this, all of this comes to something. <laughs> Save the planet. Great. No, exactly. Yep. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Brilliant. Bye. Thank, thank you. you. Cheers. Bye-bye.